0: This podcast is brought to you by Sage Hill, a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully, love deeply, and lead well at sagehillresources.com.
1: Hi, this is Stephen James with the Sage Hill Live Fully podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited about our podcast. Uh, It's a little different. I have sister-brother duo, Becca Wertz and Matt Wertz. Um, Both are creative people. Uh, Becca is a visual artist and graphic designer based here in Nashville, and Matt is a really talented singer and songwriter who's had a long career creating music. I wanted to have some creative people on, because it seems to me right now with all the stress and anxiety and uh, challenges we're facing in the world that creativity we've put to the back burner. And really creativity needs to be something that we remember we're made for. We're actually here to create good and beauty and kindness in the world. And so I wanted to have two of the most creative people I know, um, but also uh, two of the most honest and, and processed people that I, that I get to know in this in this world. And um, have them on and have a, just a candid, fluid conversation about creativity and the importance of it in our lives. So sit back and enjoy this conversation with Becca Wirtz and Matt Wirtz. Tell me about tennis shoes, um, man. Yeah, so when it's I was- actually a- one of my like uh, dearest knowings about you. Oh yeah? Like, yeah, and when I think of you, one of the first things I think of is this guy that loved tennis shoes mm-hmm. and like really deeply admired and dreamed of tennis shoes. Man,
2: I mean, growing up when I did, I was in the bullseye of Nike um, marketing. Yeah. Uh, 19, like late 80s to mid 90s. There was something, and I've, I've watched some interviews with Tinker Hatfield, who was the shoe designer Don't for Nike. That you even
1: know who that is? It's <laughs> so like nerdy in the whole. Totally nerdy.
2: <laughs> it, but in the shoe community. There's a shoe community. Oh my
1: gosh! I, I sound so like Dude, out of date when I say there that. is a
2: shoe community, yeah. and Tinker Hatfield is the god of the shoe community. Hmm. He he made it. He made the shoe community hmm. unintentionally. He he was an architect. By he was an architect that worked at Nike, and was on a trip to uh, inspiration trip to Paris, and they went to what's the um, museum where all the insides are on the outside of the museum it's the modern Um, modern, it's got the external stairs
1: pompadou or something like that
2: they they went there yeah um and yeah it's pompadou i think that's right and he got inspired because they had just they've been starting to do the air and he's like what if we showed the air bubble you know and it's like well and then like that was like the most revolutionary thing you had to have you had to have nike who had to have nike I had to have Nike ears, But anyone
1: But you love Nike Airs. Anyone gears. my
2: any boy, I don't know. I, I want I it <laughs> is me, but it was way more than me. Yeah, it but, was like yeah. boys my age, that's what you had to have, you know, in 1988, 1989. I mean, so I was obsessed. I also was like a big drawer. I like I loved to draw. Like in mm-hmm. I mean, talk about like nerdy. I would have friends come over and we would just, I had like this huge, my parents, like I got to, from a pretty early age, I got to help design my rooms. Oh wow. Which is cool. Like, and so we had in our old house, there was, um, we built out a room for me in the basement because like I was still sharing rooms with, you know, my sisters and it was like, <laughs> we gotta find a space for Matt. a man space. Yeah. So I had a room in the basement. And um, we built like built in a big long desk and then like shelves above it. It was nothing like nice or anything, but I had a place to draw, hmm. and do homework. And I would have friends come over and we would like both be drawing at the table. We would draw together, you uh-huh. know, just sketch. And one of the things that we started, I mean, we would start by just like drawing shoes that were that existed, and then we started making up our own shoes. And then we started and we made up our the shoe company, and I started writing. Copy for like taglines for the shoe company. What was the
1: name of the shoe company?
2: It was called MCA, Matt Clinton Association, or something. <laughs> and our and our check mark was was just a variation of the Nike. <laughs> it was like it was basically like a Nike ripoff. It was oh. MCA, and we started taking shoes apart. And I developed at the time like it's like a way. It was like,
1: did you invent kangaroos? No.
2: <laughs> But I did invent <laughs> elastic uh, elastic instead of um, laces? Like laces. So we like sewed in like elastic straps. On one of my old pairs of shoes, oh, so, man. That, so that you just like put Slide them on. In. Yeah,
0: I remember seeing the. Like, you mean
1: you mean like this, like, like I'm wearing right now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although our just our elastics
2: were like thicker straps because that's just what we. You had. See, as you
1: get older, you can't really bend down and do your shoes. You have to like slip them on. <laughs> so
2: is that that's what those are? Those are elastic, it's, and yes, you don't even a, tie, you, don't you don't tie them. them. It's just yeah, elastic
1: cool. cord. Yeah. So, you but have, they come that way. You buy them that way. That's cool. Oh, nice. <laughs>
2: I missed the boat on that. Yeah, well, yeah. no, you uh, didn't. You invented the I boat. I yeah. invented it, and I was too young to know what to do with it.
0: No, I remember seeing the like the piece that was like the air pump that you would put in your shoe to like adjust the. Oh, fit. the Reebok pump. Yeah, yeah we, Reebok we like pump. ripped
2: it. I didn't have the pump, so it must have been one of my friends like pulled it out of an old shoe, and so but we had like you know the the air bladder that pumped yeah. and released and. Um, so yeah, as soon as I, I knew when I was in high school, I asked my art teacher, like, what's the, who designs tennis shoes? She's like, I think that would be like an industrial designer. I'm like, all right, well, that's what I'm going to do. And so like, I went to school for industrial design and, um, I went to Illinois and they're kind of like a, Illinois program is known for like solving design like design thinking solving yeah. design problem solving problems yeah and you know and they're kind of like more, they probably do more furniture um stuff but i got done with that um program my senior year really kind of like slowed momentum for me like mm. my instructor was his approach was like hands off if you need me Come find me. I'll be in my office. But but basically, like, if you haven't, like, you're gonna have. Basically, he's pushed us out of the nest. You know, mm-hmm. that was his way of like preparing us. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to do this anymore because I really liked, I really liked the relational um, dynamic. R- yeah, yeah. The, of working mm-hmm. with a professor, like getting feedback. I love being able to like um, talk to professors and, you know, I, I made some really great, I was really proud of some of my projects my sophomore and junior year. And also it kind of coincided with, um, you know, more songwriting, performing, and uh, I'd released a record with my college band that we, you know, we would sell at What was the name of the college parties. band? Damascus Road. Oh, okay. I can
0: remember the the cover right now. It was a it was a picture of like the braided like rope sandals, like, like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus sandals. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Damascus Road. Yeah, man.
2: I got you. It's hey. right,
1: right on. You yeah. know? Hey, no illusion hey, there.
2: there. Opening for Cademan's Call or <laughs> Jars of Clay. It was like really
0: Shane and Shane wanted to oh, be yeah.
2: that like if you if you were a Christian, you knew, but like if you didn't, you just like. I don't know. it's, yeah. cool. I, I it's just, cool music. It's cool music, man. Yeah, and, and that's wa- so and
1: that's so sad. Like, like this idea of like, if if I'm a, uh, I'm gonna sound like an asshole. <laughs> if I'm a, if I'm a successful Christian artist, then other people will listen to my music as opposed to making the music you want to make. And yeah. let's make the music you want to make, and trust that. Yeah, you know?
2: yeah. It never made sense to me to like limit my audience. I'm like, just from a business standpoint. I, Although you know now I see okay, having a niche can be really helpful to like yeah. cl- a clearer message. And
1: some people really feel like I'm, I'm called called to do bluegrass music, right. you
2: know, or called to do Christian. To yeah. be in the, and I just never did. I never I didn't want the responsibility of being an example. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to be your poster child. It, it tends
1: to end badly. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I, I I saw too many. I mean, a I, there was very little Christian music that I liked, and then it just seemed like you'd have to pretend a lot. Yeah, and I just was like, I don't want to pretend. Yeah. So I I never really
1: favorite concert you've ever been to?
2: Uh, man, I saw Ben Folds Five on like on the Whatever and Ever Amen Tour at at the Granada Theater in Lawrence, which is probably a seven hundred cap room. Yeah. Uh, my freshman year of college, so that would have been in 1997 <laughs> or eight, okay. and it was the energy was like unbelievable. Yeah, and and they were playing. That was before Brick had hit. It was before it had blown up. Yeah, and I was a fan of their first album that had like. We can be happy underground. You know that song? No, but what was it again? (laughs) We can be happy underground. It's like kind of punk rock piano music. Yeah, yeah. You know? and so I don't
1: know, but I'm going to nod like I did. Oh, oh yeah, I I love punk rock piano music, man. It was so
2: great. Anyway, that was probably my favorite.
1: Becca, favorite museum?
0: Ooh.
1: Not favorite, just something, a moment like that. You're like, I remember when I...
0: I remember when I um, went to Musée d'Orsay in Paris for the first time and stood in the room with Monet's water lilies and it was like so quiet and I just I had seen pictures of them all my life and then to see them in person was like whoa it was like a holy moment
1: I remember when I turned the corner in uh, Florence and saw the David statue Hmm. and I started crying like it is so beautiful wow. and and similarly it, it reminds me of a uh, u2 concert i was in in chicago one time it's like there's just something happening it was in the united Center. It's like there's something happening here that's bigger than this band there's something happening with that statue that was bigger than michelangelo mm-hmm. there's something in this moment that i get chills talking holy, about yeah, it's I holy yeah. right that's holy yeah that invites us to um Something beyond ourselves and in ourselves at the same time, right? Mm-hmm.
2: I think I was at at one of those shows. I was yeah. I went to a U two show at United Center, like
1: the the one that they filmed. Oh, I don't know if they're filming. I danced with a man that night. <laughs> with was who? Some man. Like some we started dancing. <laughs> like we were down on the floor, and uh, it was it was ecstatic. And Bono was talking about love, and I turned to this guy, and we just started dancing. And then it felt weird. <laughs>
0: how many minutes into that dance?
1: Oh, oh, not minutes. It Second. was, it Second. was seconds. It was long enough that we both knew it was weird, but we kept dancing and then we stopped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, so it was like 20 seconds, but 20 seconds. It feels like a long time. Feels, it felt like a, afterwards it felt like a long time. Yeah. But, uh, but it, there's something that like, it's just beautiful about like, yeah. we're all in this thing together. And I think that's what art can do, you know? Um, talk about like, uh, I want to say the word advice. Maybe I, I really mean the word encouragement, mm-hmm. because you know we have a singer songwriter and a visual artist, and um, not everybody sees themselves in those typical creative ways. But Becca, you were talking earlier that everyone's creative, mm-hmm. right? What encouragement would you give towards people to leaning into their creative expression, even this is if it doesn't live up to the American dream of monetization? Mm-hmm. Right, you yes. all both found ways to express your creativity through monetization and, and make a living doing what you do, and that actually limits some creativity and mm-hmm. has a burden on creativity and stifles creativity mm-hmm. in some ways, right? But but what would you say to like the normal person, you know, um, about creativity?
0: I would say um, allow yourself to be curious about yourself and like what interests you um and like if you um you know say you are really interested in plays like maybe like um watch a like a master class or something mm-hmm. like something that can let you like start slowly um that you don't have to um expect yourself to be a master at something You know right away Mm. i think that's like advice i have to give myself and it's
1: sometimes creativity is not about mastery it's about something else right right?
0: it's about the process Mm. and like allowing yourself to um be in the moment be present to yourself to your life and like be with this like whatever mode it is you're exploring or expressing yourself with Mm. um Yeah, that's what first comes off the top of that's my. That's awesome,
1: yeah, Matt.
2: There's something, you know, to piggyback that. There's something that when you are expressing that creativity, that you're connecting with that nothing else. Nothing else unlocks that. Mm. It's a place that um, every child every child has, and mm. um, some. People just have gotten shamed uh, out of it, mm-hmm. and and some people have gotten encouraged into you know to, to to water that and grow it more. But there's everyone is born innately with um, uh, as a creative person, um, and the other thing is I'm just thinking like there are people that won't even listen to this podcast because the word creative is on it Mm -hmm. and they don't think that they are. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe you should name it something else, you know, uh, not really, but I'm just imagining some people just don't even think of themselves as being creative. And
1: And that's probably more of our core design Mm -hmm. is create. I think so. I
2: mean, even, even if you just think about like, Oh, this person should meet that person. That's creative. Yeah. Um, or like, I don't know. Oh, this room, if, if like you knock that wall out and you could do this, or like, oh, I know a way that you could split this, do this electrical thing so that it does this. And like That's all creative. Or if you're a lawyer and you're like thinking about how you can um, approach a case that would be like a good strategy, that's creative.
1: I, I can bend this law. That's creative. <laughs> <into> <laughs> yeah, my yeah. Advantage. yeah, that's creativity. Well, it's creativity. And
0: I watch our niece, Sophie. Um, she's three years old. And we got her a um, an easel and some art supplies for her birthday, and she has just been like going to town with that thing. Like she's got a roll of paper that, um, like she'll she'll paint and then she will like want you to pull it down so she has a fresh like slate again. And I got her these um, things; they're called quick sticks. And it's like a tempera paint. It almost looks like a glue stick, but they're all different colors. And, like, I'm inspired watching her make marks on the page. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I need to get myself a set of those and just, like, set aside time to just play. Mm. And, like...
2: And use your opposite hand.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, like, not for the sake of, oh, I have to show this to somebody or this has to be something that I sell. But... Just for the sake of like doing it mm-hmm. and like working out, you know, whatever's going on.
2: Blindfold yourself <laughs> and use your left hand or right hand, whatever is yeah. like your non dominant hand. Non dominant <laughs> hand blindfolded, go. Because yeah. it's the it's like there's I don't know. I think what happens I've read this somewhere, is that our brains to in or are wired for efficiency. So we have like they've learned to associate face it that's a face you know and like that's steven's face um and that's you know what just and so we do that with everything yeah. everything gets compartmentalized so that our brains don't have to work so hard it's called data chunking data chunking data, so but what happens is when we do that we like we we forget that like a a tree can be purple uh, i
1: took an art class a few years ago you now probably maybe 15 years ago now It was an artist way class, right? I took it. And the first day she had a picture and she goes, we're going to draw this today. I'm like, there's no way in hell I can draw that picture. And she goes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to turn it upside down. And I want you just to draw the lines. And so instead of drawing, it was a horse and a man. Instead of drawing the horse and the man, I was just drawing lines. And my brain couldn't make sense of horse and man because it was upside down. Hmm. And by the end, it's like, Oh my gosh! I drew I drew the picture really well Mm -hmm. by not trying to draw the picture. Amazing, right? But it it fooled that part of my brain that was trying to simplify. That's cool. And made me pay attention to the detail, and made me pay like just I couldn't I couldn't put it in my categories, right? And I think that's what art and creativity does so well is it invites us as the as the viewer or the experiencer of art to step outside of our comfortable categories you know
2: mm-hmm. and there's no shame in asking for help to do that yeah i mean like because just you know like
1: we've and there's no art without the experience of risking shame and that's something
0: hmm.
1: yeah like yeah if your commitment is to not mm. be at stake again you're you're stifling your own creativity hmm. you're right you know yeah yeah, mm. it's a risk. I, I write poetry. I'm not going to read it right now, but mm-hmm. I write poetry. And uh, some of my poems are really good. And I just wrote one that I thought was really good. And I was doing a vulnerability exercise with some guys, some entrepreneurs last week. And I thought, I'll read my poem. And it fell so flat. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, they just didn't get it. So I read it harder. <laughs> and they they it was like, this is so bad, you know? But, it, but the act of vulnerability was so good. Hmm. Right? Yeah, I know. You know.
2: It is so hard. Dude, you okay? So you're going to uh, lead an artist way class. Yes. And
1: Oh, you are? You're going to do that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yay. Yeah, we just yeah, <laughs> Sign I, I up just, at yeah. sagehill.co, <laughs> um, sagehillcounseling.com for the Becca words is artist way class.
2: <laughs> and I've been leading um, creative writing classes. Oh, wow. Through this um nonprofit called the fold that leslie jordan from all sons and daughters the the um worship band mm-hmm. started and i started just going as like a because I, I i tried it out um because she invited me to come and it was like um honestly it's for burnout like it was it, the invitation was to kind of like to burn out songwriters mm-hmm. you know
1: which nashville is full of
2: full of them <laughs> And Mm. so that was my ticket in. But um, and the whole premise is we write to prompts, um, and but there's no um, and and we share. But we only there's time to respond. But the only response that we give is um, is encouraging. Mm. It's, It's like what's working. God,
1: that makes me so scared.
2: What's working about the the piece not I would hate that oh yeah it's like it's, my
1: shame like I want you to tell me what's wrong so i can fix it mm, oh I don't want to hear that you like me I want oh. the criticism well yeah okay. and
2: it's funny because there occasionally Which is sick. there are some people <laughs> that we've had that that have really had a hard time with that they want the criticism and like sorry we're not gonna mm. there is a there is a method like a process that if you bring in something a finished piece that you would like um, like constructive criticism on there is process to go through for that but it's um but it's everything's really like safe Mm -hmm. yeah it feels it's a safe process Mm -hmm. and it just gives people an opportunity it's one it's one tool for to give people an opportunity to like um get in the water you know try it out like Mm -hmm. try riding and work and you're gonna hear some people that you're like you're gonna to have to read after some really great stuff. It's mm. like you just wrote that mm. in five minutes you where did that come from? That mm. happens to me every time and then inevitably I'll share something that I wrote and they're like, you why did you have all those caveats for like why you didn't want to read and then you did anyway mm. like that was that was awesome you know mm. um, but
1: so anyway you, sh- you shame their shame yeah yeah right 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 <laughs> why are you such a yeah, dumbass yeah <laughs> it cancels
2: it out though right yeah, no, yeah. no but yes yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so yeah it's that's been um a fun like exercise practice uh that like that i've been first like uh, and the the leaders participate right the only thing that we do as facilitators is just like keep the bumpers on the on the you know yeah. road so that And we also, we also address the piece. If you're, if your piece is written in first person, we say the narrator sounds like the narrator that there's a lot of anger, the narrator, because we treat it as fiction. Yeah. Um, so that we're not like, wow, Steven, like you were really like angry or like, it's
1: not a a therapy group. Yeah. It's not (laughs) a a therapy. It's a creative
2: writing group. It's not, and it it might end up being therapeutic for you, but it's not a therapy group. Yeah. So, um, it's, yeah, it's great. So oh, okay. what
0: I heard you say is like the safety of the group was like really important. Yes. And I would say the same is true for my experience. Is like when you're doing something that vulnerable, um, and you like because art is an expression of yourself. Like you, you need I need safe people around me to um, to like be in it with me. And mm-hmm. the um, the artist way group i'm a part of it's so funny because there's a doctor two nurses a therapist and myself yeah and so like we're all coming at this from like different angles and i honestly think it was like good for me to not have other like visual artists in the group with me because my bent can be towards comparison um but it's been i think like having finding people that are like your yes people and that, like, allow you to, like, show up with like the, your work. Uh,
1: yeah. Our inner critic is helpful. It's, it, he and she are just not always accurate. Mm-hmm. Like, the authority which they speak isn't always accurate. Like, they can say when something's off, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily good at saying what's going to work, mm-hmm. right? And so learning how to hold that the inner critic... Um, appropriately and give it its place in our creative process or in our daily living, mm-hmm. right? And treat it as an advisor but not as an authority figure, yeah. I think is really freeing mm-hmm. um, for us. I'm thinking about lots of things right now mm-hmm. inside my own life that I'm gonna go practice that <laughs> with. <laughs> yeah. oh, man. Yeah. Oh, no. oh man. And another idea that I've, as you're talking that's coming up in me is sometimes, this goes back to your making how you describe making music, Matt. Sometimes the role of creativity is stewardship right this thing is there and it's my responsibility to steward it as creativity like it wants to become something so it's my role to help it become what it's trying to become as opposed to imposing my vision of what it needs to be on there. Mm-hmm. that's good. when you're talking about music it's, oh, that's what you're talking and about working
2: with other people yeah
1: yeah like letting
2: other people yeah
1: yeah which i'm learning to do better mm-hmm. it yeah. took me a
2: while to like um for a long time i thought i felt a lot of um shame about the fact that i wrote i, ne- I needed other people to write with me um, because some of the voices that I was hearing like both real and imagined were that like doing it by yourself was like there was something more admirable to that. Mm. you you're, you're you are more um, legit you're mm. more legitimate if you don't need any help mm. and um, you're
1: you certainly know. more alone if you don't need help <laughs>
2: very true. (laughs) So I've always needed like I've I've needed help and um, Mm. in order to and I think I had a couple early on my first record that was like that really kind of like got out there was I made with um, Ed Cash and Dave Barnes who were both Nashville guys and always dreamt of well not always but as soon as I had met Ed at a Young Life camp uh, in North Carolina, I was like, I want to like work with that guy, mm. you know? And I also saw that he like produced Bebo Norman and Cadman's Call, all these people I wanted to be like. So I got to work with him and and Dave was, uh, I just met Dave and Dave was, uh, by by God's w- weird way, was interning for, for Ed and we're like friends. So I'd met Dave, would hang out. We made a record together, all three of us, you know, and Mm. one of the songs that was on that record um, was a song that Dave offered me that was his song, that um, we needed another upbeat, up-tempo song. We were like, you know, probably two-thirds of the way in, and we're listening, like, we kind of need another up-tempo song. He's like, would you want to record Everything's Right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, are you serious? Like, Give me your song? Yes, (laughs) I do. Wow. And I like I rewrote like some verse lyrics, but and then we 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 like just, just enough wrote, to, go to co-write. Wrote Co-Write. a different yeah, bridge, know but just doing. enough. <laughs> I, yeah, I literally I have twenty percent. Okay, um, but I also just wanted to feel like it was mine. Yeah, you know, like, I needed to. Like yeah. I needed to feel like it, like I I cared, and but I had so much shame about that because that song really like people. Still like everything's right. It's my favorite song of yours. I'm mm. like, ah, mm. your favorite song of mine is one that, that Dave wrote. Mm. Great. And dude, for a long time I had so much like oh. resent like bitterness about that. And like mm. I, I mean, I really it took me a long a while to like like let that go and accept that like, hey, mm. that I mean, what a gift to have that song. And I'd forgotten like you don't hear all the other people saying, like, Red Meets Blue, that's my favorite song, or I Will Not Timmel Up, that's my favorite. You don't hear that. This. All you hear are the, <laughs> like, hand, like, the handful like, people said that, the, but you
1: couldn't hear it. No! Yeah,
2: Yeah, people said that, but I couldn't hear it. It yeah. didn't land, like, everything's right, that's my favorite song. And I just, like, the, the, then the stories that you tell yourself, like, I mean, I'm only as good as, you know, the songs that, I write with other people or that like Dave writes, you know? Mm. And so I had a, I had a huge like ditch to dig out of, like yeah. to crawl out of that. I was just thinking that like I was, um, my, my success was somehow like connected to and dependent on like writing with Dave yeah. or, or like what, you know, like I'm never going to have another so- like good song if he's not a part of it. Or something. So you're,
1: you're, toxic shame infused even your creativity like it came in and it was like of course yeah
2: yes
0: and yeah. it what i'm hearing you say is like that's like operating out of like the scarcity mindset which i so identify with and there's like, your midwesternism yeah exactly i yeah. was that's where i was winner's
1: coming that. folks better store up a bunch <laughs> yeah. of stuff
0: gotta gotta put everything in reserve oh and words is store. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we reuse napkins apparently
1: yeah
0: we hold on to... Paper napkins.
2: Uh, oh, my
1: yeah. grandmother, when she died, and I'll let you finish your thought after this, Becca, we were cleaning out her apartment, and she had saved aluminum foil mm. that she would clean and then store, like bags oh, yeah. and bags of it. Oh, right? yeah. That, that, that uh, uh, post-depression era yes, mindset yeah. that so infested the Midwest and you know the Northeast kind of yeah. stuff. But anyway, go ahead. Our
0: grandparents did that as well, um, Mama Doc and Papa Doc. Mm. Um, they were... Our dad's um, parents and Papa Doc was a vet, Mama Doc, um, got a degree from K-State in home economics.
1: Oh, yeah. How to be a good wife.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, but they would save um, styrofoam cups and, like, reuse those for their coffee or, like, when they went to Burger King and, you know, got soda uh-huh. or whatever. Wow. Um,
2: and then Papa Doc would reuse... His, nap, his
1: dinner napkin.
0: Oh, yeah. They would be sitting on his spot like for days. Paper.
2: Like, yeah. Disposable. Yeah. And now Dad's doing that.
1: <laughs> you you whispered like it's not on the podcast. Like, Dad's He's doing that. trying to that. hear it. I know. <laughs> Dad, stop saving I, the I, paper I kind of whispered because
2: like, isn't that, that's right, right? Is yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. Like, what, where did that, why'd that start now?
1: <sighs>
0: but I, at the same, on the same token, I have been thinking a lot about um, like who of my, like who my creative like champions have been mm. throughout my life. And um, I think it's come up more for me as I've been designing my space is how much my grandmother um inspired me and mm. like nurtured this creative part in me. Mm. She, um, I have several of her things um, that are some of my like, cherished items like I have these two chairs um that were hers that I've like noted like I would like to have those someday and like had had a vision of like wanting to cover them in green velvet and it just that idea never left me and so finally when I like knew I was gonna have my own place I like like bought the fabric and like got them covered and it like felt like this like just moment of like oh, like, she's gone, but, like, I still have her with me. Mm. Um, and she was constantly, like, um, whenever we'd go to visit for, like, a week in the summer, we would, um, she would always have, like, a craft for us to do. She would take us to museums, and mm. we went to, like, the butterfly house, like, the arboretum, like, always, like, you know, experiencing, She's an you artist. Know, yeah. yeah.
2: She just took me to the baseball card shops. <laughs> yeah. To Footwalker. Yeah. Buy,
0: well, Footwalker means she
1: knew you. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Let's stop with that story. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank thanks for having you. us on. Hey, thanks for listening to the Sage Hill podcast. This is Stephen James. If you do want to sign up for the Artist Way class that uh, Becca is going to be hosting through Sage Hill beginning in January, um, love for you to do that. You can go to sagehill.co or sagehillcounseling.com or check out one of our social media feeds and uh, find information on about it there. We're really excited about uh, her willingness and graciousness to help facilitate that for us. Um, It's a great chance for you to start in the new year with kind of a creative rebirth and creative exploration and you don't have to be a person who identifies yourself as an artist to begin to develop and nurture your creativity. It will pay off in all areas of your life. So. Go check that out. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, remember that you can live fully. We're here to help.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Sage Hill, a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully, love deeply, and lead well at sagehillresources.com.